0: Talk to any of my fellow Ketchikan residents about farm-raised salmon, and you'll get a look like you just committed pure and utter sacrilege. They will proceed to tell you, no, no, educate you, as to why wild Alaska salmon is just better than farm-raised. One day, an Eskimo, and Aleut, and an Athabascan met at a famous San Francisco restaurant. I know this sounds like a joke, but these are actually indigenous peoples of Alaska, Aboriginals, and I know I was the Athabascan. Well, the chef's special, the waiter said, was fresh troll-caught salmon. We were skeptical. It was just the wrong season for trollers to be catching salmon. Trollers are a type of fishing vessel where you fish with a long line and bait. And troll-caught doesn't mean that that evil beast under a bridge caught it, or some internet troll said negative things. But this waiter insisted, upon skeptical examination, that the salmon was indeed fresh and troll-caught. So we made the waiter a bet. We'd order the filet of salmon, and we bet that the salmon was farm-raised. If we could tell it was farm-raised, the waiter would pay for the filet. If we were wrong, and the fish turned out to be troll-caught, fresh Alaska salmon, or fresh salmon the waiter would get a 100% tip. He brought out a lovely salmon fillet, placed it in the middle of the table, and we all took a forkful. The salmon was fresh, it had no smell, it tasted delicious, it wasn't old. But after tasting it, all of us came to the same verdict. Farm-raised, we said, in unison, like we were in a choir. He went back to the kitchen and confirmed with the chef that it was, indeed, farm-raised salmon. But it was fresh. You need to know the fish you eat. You know, the worst sin a waiter can do is not a fable about the providence of the fish, but it might be. The worst is bringing a fish to a table that has a fishing smell. There's just no hiding that. But waiters, as we heard on our episode of Farm to Fable, sometimes sell a fable about the providence of the items on the menu. In this case, either the waiter didn't know the fish was farmed, or didn't understand that a fresh fish could actually be a farm-raised fish and not necessarily troll-caught. But sometimes it isn't just the waiter. Sometimes it's the restaurant. Sometimes it's the fish market. And some fish are more prone to cons than others. Those fish are red snapper, tuna, grouper, halibut, and salmon. Sound familiar? They should. But as you will see, fish fraud is a deeper issue than getting what you pay for. Fish fraud is a story that involves real pirates, poachers, inept politicians, and the mafia. Because if you are not picky about the fish provenance, you may be paying to damage the oceans. (laughs) And while you will eat a different fish than what you paid for, you should probably know that someone is stringing you along, hook, line, and sinker, a fish fable. My name is Dr. Terry Simpson, and this is Culinary Medicine, where we sort out the crazy from credible about food from its source to its effect on your body, busting myths and showing evidence where food can be medicine. In 2013, Oceana reported that one-third of the fish samples they tested were mislabeled. Oddly, they were not mislabeled to the benefit of consumers. Consumers were paying more for what they thought was a premium fish, but getting a different or lesser species, or less expensive species of fish. Oceana checked over 1,200 fish bits from over 600 retail outlets in 21 states, using DNA analysis to confirm the type of fish being sold. They discovered that there are a lot of fish that are mislabeled. Red snapper, for example, was mislabeled 113 out of the 120 samples checked. And certain places mislabeled fish more than others. Sushi restaurants were the worst offender. About 74% of the fish checked were not the fish the consumer ordered. That means 3 out of the 4 fish you order from a sushi place are mislabeled. This experiment of testing fish from restaurants, as well as fish suppliers, to see if the species of fish they sell matches what you order. This testing of fish has been repeated in many other cities, many other times, including in Los Angeles, Toronto, New York, and Tampa. It's been done by many investigators. You may remember the Tampa Bay reporter, Laura Riley, who was featured in our Farm to Fable episode. She decided to check the Tampa Bay restaurants to see if the fish they were selling matched what the DNA said. She smuggled out bits of seafood and sent them for DNA analysis. She found fresh local shrimp really came from halfway around the world. The Florida group or some sold turned out to be tilapia. You need to know the fish you eat.
1: Seafood is incredibly fraudulent because most of us don't have the skill set to evaluate things effectively. You know, if something is a little little square inside a sushi roll, It's really hard to tell whether that's grouper or basa, you know, that Southeast Asian catfish that is you know, a real chameleon as a fish. I think that we just don't have the skills to make those distinctions generally. Um, So we're kind of at the mercy of, of the people serving us food.
0: You need to know the fish you eat. One of the difficulties of living in a landlocked state like Arizona is that seafood comes a long ways away. But that's also an advantage because we know that seafood just didn't come from the dock in Phoenix. But if you live on the coast, like Florida or California, that grouper you think came from the ocean you're looking at through the restaurant window, easily been caught a thousand miles away, frozen, processed, and shipped, then delivered to that restaurant last month. And when you order grouper, which grouper are you getting? Grouper is a generic name for any one of 56 different types of fish. Everything from the black grouper, which is a sustainable fish, from the west central Atlantic coast and the Gulf. But it could also be an endangered Warsaw grouper from Australia or the Atlantic red grouper, which has been nearly depleted from overfishing. You need to know the fish you eat. How do you know? If the fish you are buying is endangered, or if that fish was caught in a manner that didn't harm other fish, if they don't specifically label the fish, you don't. But you need to, because you need to know the fish you eat.
1: And then I think there are other unfortunate truths that we have to a little bit own. I think that right now we could have transparency in terms of fish. You know, Let's say something like a tuna or a I don't know, swordfish or a um, grouper where that fish essentially has a SKU number, a tracking number that you could, you could scan a little table tent at the restaurant with your phone and find out precisely who caught that fish on what boat and on what date. And, you know, that's all technology we have. And the reason a lot of times we're not implementing it is because the sad fact is that a lot of times that fish was caught. 10 days ago, or two weeks ago, or a month ago. Um, and a lot of restaurateurs don't really want to broadcast that fact, and a lot of consumers don't want to engage with that fact. So, you know, there there's some things that transparency reveals um, that we have to be conscious of.
0: It turns out that 20% of the fish caught worldwide are caught illegally. And most of the mislabeled fish comes from those fish pirates. These fish pirates target the most expensive fish, the ones consumers desire, the ones on that list. People, it turns out, especially in the United States, are not adventurous when it comes to eating fish. They like fish names that they recognize. That's why you see red snapper, salmon, tuna, Chilean sea bass, shrimp, and mackerel on most menus. But those are all rather non-specific names. You hope that snapper was caught by a fisherman who was following the rules. But what if it was caught by a fish pirate who did horrific damage to the ocean? One who used a large net that caught everything, including turtles, sharks, dolphins, whales, orcas, as well as other creatures that might be endangered. Or what if that net was illegally set in a place where they are trying to replenish the fish in that region? These fish pirates are the equivalent of the poachers who hunt elephants and rhinoceroses. Whatever fish they catch are often mislabeled as they enter the United States. The fish pirates are organized and deadly. Often they're controlled by mafia that don't care about the ocean or the fish. They only care about the dollar. You need to know the fish you're eating. Examples of fish that have been decimated by such pirates include the vaquita, the smallest saltwater porpoise. It's been fished into extinction by fish pirates who set their nets in the Sea of Cortez, also known as the Sea of California. Those fishermen are setting their nets for another endangered fish, the Totaba, whose bladder is highly prized in China. Fish pirates set gillnuts to catch these fish, but they also catch other fish like the vaquita, or whale sharks, or seals, or dolphins. All are caught in those floating nets, and they die. Some of that bycatch, as it's called, is harvested and packaged as other fish products, sold to you as snapper, grouper, tuna, or some sushi product. So what can you do? Turns out, you can do a lot. The Monterey Bay Aquarium has an app for your phone called Seafood Watch. With that app, you can see which participating restaurants, grocery stores, or fish markets offer sustainable seafood. Seafood harvested in an ecologically friendly and sustainable manner. And you can learn to try some different types of fish. Lesser known fish that might even be invasive to some areas. And by eating them, not only are you getting a tasty meal, but you're helping the environment. You need to know the fish you eat.
1: What I like about, the, about their Seafood Watch program is that it's an app on your phone. You can take it to the grocery store with you. And they, it's a very you know, green, green, yellow, red in terms of the species to eat. And I think that another thing that, that Monterey Bay Aquarium has done is they're really doing a lot of outreach to work with chefs and with uh, kind of the seafood industry around the world to popularize lesser known species, because that's one of the biggest problems that we have in seafood is that we, you know, we don't eat fish that we don't recognize their name, you know, we have kind of, we're phobic and we eat, you know, tuna, grouper, snapper, sea bass, etc. And there are a lot of lesser, smaller, generally speaking, smaller species that are wonderful I mean, some are even kind of invasives that are very edible and it would do all of us a world of good if we could figure out a way to eat those. So they're they're really doing a lot of kind of valiant efforts to popularize things that, you know, that are are lesser known.
0: Looking forward to lionfish sushi.
1: Yeah, well, it's, a lionfish would be good in sushi because it's a tiny filet. Generally, it's a three-ounce filet, which is a hard thing in a restaurant setting, you know, in terms of a pan sauté or something like that. But they're delicious, tiny little white filets. The problem with lionfish is really how to, you know, spearfish them. In large number and you know because they kind of they gather on these reefs and they're really you can't net fish for them you really they're people working on kind of vacuum technology to kind of suck them up so that you know we can get a larger quantity rather than speared one at a time
0: you need to know the fish you eat but it's not only fish pirates that are a problem overfishing by commercial fishermen kills the goose that is laying the golden egg This happened to the fishing communities of eastern Canada. Cod used to be so abundant that they could have been netted from the shores. But new fishing technology beginning in the 1950s increased the area and the depths of the net they used. Initially, it resulted in larger catches of cod. But those net also caught. The juvenile cod needed to replenish the cod in that area and too small to be used for commercial purposes. Nevertheless, killing the fish that would replenish their stocks. The cod was depleted until the remaining fish were not enough to replenish the stock every year. They were warned by scientists that this would happen. But the politicians ignored those warnings, thinking they knew better than science. They didn't want to regulate fishing in the villages. They didn't want to go against commercial fishing interests. They didn't want to listen to science. Does that sound like a familiar theme? Inevitably, as science predicted, cod fishing collapsed in 1992, and it has not come back. That was not only an environmental disaster for the banks where those cod had thrived for thousands of years, and for 500 years had been the backbone of the Canadian Atlantic community, but the collapse led to an economic depression in the fishing villages of Newfoundland. That continues to this day, almost 20 years later. About 150 years ago, scientists proclaimed that our seafood was unlimited. Sadly, that's not the case. The thing about science is we rechange our models as we learn new data. What happened? Modern fishing methods as well as fish piracy have led to the near extinction of certain fish. Did you know that the population of sharks, marlins, turtles, dolphins that roam the Gulf of Mexico have decreased since the 1960s to less than 10% of what they were at that time? That in the last 20 years we have lost 60% of the world's shark population. Those fishing pirates use those fishing methods of large nets that rake the bottom of the sea, catching not only the fish they want, but anything that gets in their ways, from seals to turtles to whales. And the immature stocks of fish needed to replenish the population are caught up in those nets and lost forever. The Mediterranean has been so overfished and is so sparse with fish, that my fellow scuba divers say the Mediterranean isn't a place you dive to see fish, which is a sharp contrast from 20 years ago in the era of Jacques Cousteau. The Gordo Banks in the Sea of California used to be a great dive with lots of fish and schools of hammerhead sharks, but now it's so overfished that if you dive there, there's a chance you won't see any sharks or fish at all. Cabo San Lucas was founded as a spot where people went to fish. People like Ernest Hemingway, Bing Crosby, John Wayne. But today, you can spend a day fishing and not catch a thing because the area has been overfished. Can this be saved? Can you do something about it? It turns out you can if you know the fish you eat. Eating seafood is not only healthy for you, but to be a responsible consumer, you need to know the fish you eat. You'll be helping the planet. But if not, then the prediction is by the year 2030, a mere 12 years away, most of the oceans will be overfished. Most of the fishing stocks will have collapsed. And we will have killed a major ecosystem that has sustained human beings since the dawn of time. The Seafood Watch app on a scale of 1 to 5, where 5 is nonsense and 1 is great, is a solid 1.5. Special thanks to Laura Riley of the Tampa Bay Times For lending her comments to today's shows And of course thanks to you for listening to this episode of Culinary Medicine With me, Dr. Terry Simpson Here's the doctor disclaimer While I am a doctor, I am not your doctor And you should always seek the advice of a trusted licensed medical provider With experience in your particular condition or concern Before taking any action If you are my patient, then this should be burned on the fleshy tables of your heart and you should have the Seafood Watch app. Culinary Medicine is a part of the Your Doctors' Orders Network and you can find this post on yourdoctorsorders.com with transcripts, notes, and references. It's produced and distributed by our friends at Simpler Media. My executive producer is the lovely, talented, charitable producer girl from Producer Girl Productions. And you can follow me on Twitter where I'm at Dr. Terry Simpson, Dr. Terry Simpson. I'll be back next time when we'll have another conversation about food as medicine or unveil a food con. Until next time, don't drink the water. Drink the wine. Hey Evo, have you ever heard about Escalar? Well, for me, it's this delicate, delicious white fish. But for some people, it causes a profound diarrhea. And you know why that's important? Well, if you're one of those people impacted, I know that's a funny way of saying it. Your trip to a sushi restaurant might end up with a trip to the ER. Escalar is often mislabeled as tuna, mackerel, or white tuna, flounder, etc. And I love Escalar, but it doesn't bother me in the end. But it might impact you or disimpact you.
1: Uh, no. Uh, I I would be the cautionary tale here. (laughs) Bleh. <laughs>